and I know you're never supposed to embarrass pregnant women because they'll get back at you. And I don't want Bob to have to suffer this afternoon, but, but in the name of Jesus, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Jace is pregnant. <laughs> and I'd never do anything to embarrass her, you know, but uh, uh, it's time for that baby to come. And so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, because that baby is ready, that baby is gonna be delivered, that baby is gonna be whole and complete, and there's gonna be absolutely no complications. And everybody that agrees with that says, amen, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah, babies, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, God is so good. I'm so thankful that I'm saved. I'm so thankful that I can put my trust and confidence in him and that he'll never ever let me down. Thank you, Father, that in spite of what takes place in this world, you know, I, I don't know about you, uh, but I've been praying a lot of come Lord Jesus this week. You know, um, I have 14 grandchildren and the junk that I see in this world, I just don't want them to have to go through it. And uh, I'm, I'm not a defeatist. I believe that I'm a very positive person. Uh, but I don't believe things are going to get better. But they can get better for us. As long as we continue to put our trust in Jesus. My preference would be just, you know, right now I think would just be a wonderful time. I think right now would be a great time not to do a rapture drill, just leave. And, uh, but, uh, you know, we, we were singing that one song today. And uh, I got about six messages just running around in my head. So, you know, um, like Pastor Brzee used to say, he says, I'm just looking for a landing place. You know, but I know where I'm going, but these are just some thoughts, so these don't count against my time. And, uh, <clears throat> but well, we sang in that one song about that he's our hope. And that that hope that we have in Jesus is the anchor of our soul. And um, my greatest fear is that I think a lot of times we're drifting. The reason that we're drifting is uh, we've let loose of the anchor. And that anchor is Jesus. That anchor is the Word of God. No matter what takes place around us, no matter what's happening in the world, we've got to hang on to that. Otherwise, we drift. And when we're drifting, that's when we, when we get into Difficulty. That's when we have complications in our life. When we were at Okaboji, you know, we, we had two boats up there. And so we had, you know, because it was, there were times it was pretty rough out there. And so uh, we would uh, take the boats and, and go into a little inlet area and we'd drop the anchors and, and put on our life jackets and just jump in the water and, and swim. Believe it or not, I fit into a life jacket. <laughs> Now most of the women stayed in the boat because they didn't want to get their hair wet, but, uh, 
you know, we, we got into that water. But you know what? If we hadn't anchored it, what would have happened is we would have, we would have drifted away from that boat. And uh, we've got to guard ourselves that we're not drifting. We're, we're, what's our hope? Where's our hope? If your hope is in the, in the things of this world, you're going to be extremely disappointed. But when your hope is in Jesus, he'll never, he'll never let you down. He'll never let go of you. Doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. I'm going to talk to you today about favor. That as born-again believers, we're in a state of favor. That means we have favor with God even when you screw up. We have favor with God. Yesterday was a conference swim meet, as you've already heard. And, and of course, I'm, I'm not one to brag. You know, and, uh, you know, but Nick went undefeated this year and, and uh, Gabe had lost one race and he, he made up for it and beat the guy yesterday. You know, but one of his, well, everyone's pretty strong for him, but he was uh, in the butterfly. When he, when he took off in the butterfly, I, I saw it right away. His first two strokes were free. And I just knew that was it. And so I immediately looked up at the DQ judge, and sure enough, the jerk was writing it down. <laughs> and uh, so he's, he's DQ'd. And so, you know, when he, when he got out of the water, I, I watched him, you know, because he's, he's a pretty competitive little guy. And I noticed the first thing he did is he looked over at his coach, his father. <laughs> And, you know, I, I saw him, Jeff tell him something. But then I saw something else as, as Gabe is leaving. Jeff took off and he left the place for the coaches and he went to him because this better be why you went to him. I'm assuming this is why he went to him. <laughs> if it isn't, I'm going to ask Gabe later on and I'm going to have a talk with you. <clears throat> but, but what I saw was he, that he went to him and he reassured him that it was okay. You know, a lot of us have this image from God that every time we mess up, we've disappointed him. But you know what? The love that God loves us with. I'm not saying he always approves of everything we do. On a daily basis, he doesn't because of our actions. But we'll never cease to have favor with God. Because the love that he loves you and I with is an unconditional love. And the thing that gets us into problems so often is we lose the hope. And the reason that we lose the hope is that we begin to look at circumstances around us. We, there, there's nobody that's a greater critic of you than you. And I know that's true because it's true for myself. There's nobody that's more critical of me than me. And that's true for every, each and every one of us. And so we, we look at it and we think, that's how God is looking at you and I. 
But I want you to know something. We have, <clears throat> we have a favor with God. He loves us completely unconditionally. And I'll tell you something, there's something about that. When you know that somebody loves you unconditionally, you know, the fear is always that that, that, that person's gonna take advantage of you. No, 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 no. If, if you know that somebody loves you unconditionally, the last thing in the world you wanna do is take advantage of that person if you're loving them back. With God, if we know that he loves us unconditionally, we'll not take advantage of that love. What we'll do is we'll begin to love him in return. And you wanna see a dramatic change in your behavior. It's not gonna be because you fear that God's gonna lay the hammer down on you. It's because you know that God loves you unconditionally. And the number one thing you wanna do in your life is to be pleasing. To him. You know, in Romans, the fifth chapter, talks about how we have favor with God, how we have peace with him, how he shows compassion towards us and, and his goodness towards you and I are overwhelming. You know, when, when, when we think about God, there ought to be this overwhelmingness. It's probably not even a word, but it's in Schroeder's vocabulary. There ought to be this overwhelmingness that takes over us, where we realize how much he truly loves us. I want to read this out of the Amplified. It's up on the board, Romans 5, 1 and 2, and it says, Therefore, since we are justified. I mean, we can stop right there, go home and be happy. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation. Let us grasp the fact that we have peace through reconciliation. You don't have peace with God because of some treaty that you signed. You have peace with God because God loved you so much, he sent his son for you and I to shed his precious blood so that through his death, burial, and resurrection, you and I might be reconciled to God. That's the only reason that you and I have peace with God. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with my actions. It has everything to do with God's actions towards me. That he loved me so much that he sent Jesus to pay the ultimate price so that my sins might be forgiven. But you know what? I think, we, I think we stray from that hope. Now, not that we stop declaring that we're saved and so forth, but I think we stray from that hope from the standpoint that we lose sight that if it were not for Jesus, 
that if it wasn't for what Jesus had done for me, and that we look to him and we put all of our trust and all of our confidence in him and in him alone. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Through Him also, we have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into grace, state of God's favor, to which we firmly and safely stand. I like that. It's in that favor that we firmly and safely stand. You know, in Ephesians it says, when you've done all to stand, when you're being attacked by the enemy, when you've done everything to stand, stand therefore. What do we stand in? We stand in firmly in, 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 in the favor and the safety of the favor that God has bestowed upon you and I. We've not earned it. For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourself. It's a gift from God, not of works. Therefore, we have absolutely nothing to boast about. But we, what we can do is we can approach him moment by moment, day by day, and declare his goodness and his love and all that he's done for each and every one of us. And let us rejoice just when everything is going wonderful, just when all the news reports have been positive. No, what do we rejoice in? We rejoice in the favor that we have in Jesus because that favor is independent upon what's taking place in the world today. It's dependent upon what Jesus has already done for each and every one of us. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. We're to be firm in that, stand firm in that. You know what, we get unusual treatment. You know, the way the world is, it's, it's not good. But in Him, in Jesus, we get unusual treatment. It's a it's above and beyond. You know, I like that scripture that says that God wants to do above and beyond what we can think or imagine. I'll tell you something, I can imagine big. I can think big. And it doesn't matter how big I might think, God's thinking towards me is bigger than that. You know, the limitations that we have in our life are the limitations that we've placed there. They're not the limitations, they're not limitations that God's put on us. It's the limitations that we've put upon ourselves. For years and years, I, I limited what I could do. I had the image that I was dumb. I had the image that I was stupid. I, was, I had the image that I couldn't learn. I had the image that I couldn't do it. But thank God through the power of the Holy Spirit and the working of Jesus in my life, that image began to change. I know it's not where it's supposed to be because I still struggle with the inferiorities and the insecurities. I still struggle with that. I assume that there's a few in this room that 
wrestle with the same thing. But you know what? It's only when I look at myself. When I look to God, I see that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the moment that I begin to look at me and begin to look at my abilities and my talents, <clears throat> I begin to get discouraged. I begin to think it's hopeless. Why? Because I'm anchoring to my hope. That's a very poor anchor. Because when I throw that hope out, there's a lot of drifting that goes on. But when I put my trust in Jesus, when I put my trust in Jesus, nothing's too difficult for him. Now don't misunderstand what I'm saying. When the scripture says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we can do all things through Christ that he strengthens us to do. You do not want me to take out your appendix. <laughs> but you know, I can do what he's called me to do. And you can do what he's called you to do. And you may feel inadequate at times. But let me tell you, there, there's something good about feeling inadequate. Because when you feel inadequate, you've got to trust him. Let me tell you something. God always wants to stretch you. He always wants to take you to a point where you do something that you can't do. Because at that point, you have to put your trust, you have to put your confidence in Him. You say, well, Pastor, I've never done that before. Praise the Lord. New experience coming your way. Listen, I'd never preached until I preached the first time. I never counseled somebody till I counseled somebody the first time. I never cast out a devil till I cast out a devil the first time. And so you say, well, I've never done that before. Well, that doesn't mean that you can't. All that means is that you can limit yourself and say you can't if you want to. But if God's told you to, you can do it. Listen to this scripture passage. It's in Proverbs 14, 9. Again, I want to read it out of the Amplified. Fools make a mockery, or fools make a mock at sin. And sin mocks the fools who are its victims. You know what? We live in a really foolish world. Because it mocks sin. The number one way that the world mocks sin is they say that which is good is evil and that which is evil is good. I don't necessarily want to get into any specifics today, but you can do that in your own. But the world all around us is continually telling us that when we take a position and stand that's based on the Word of God, that that's evil. And so basically what they're doing is they're, they're mocking sin. But let me tell you something. The end result is that the one that sins, the one that mocks sin, will be mocked. They'll be put down because they'll come to the realization 
of truth. A sin offered, uh, offering made by them only mocks them, bringing them disappointment and disfavor. But among the upright, there is the favor of God. You may not have all the stuff that the world has to offer. But when you've got the favor of God, what you have supersedes anything the world can offer you. We can look through the sports scene, we can look through the Hollywood scene, we can look through the political scene, we can look through the billionaire scene. We see these individuals, they've, they mock sin. They say it's, it's no big deal, it's nothing. But you know what? Almost, almost without exception, it comes back upon them. But you know, for you and I, because, because we put our trust and we put our confidence in him, the Bible declares that we're the apple of God's eye, that we're the crown of his creation. We're a prized possession. That means, that, that means you're not your own. You belong to God. But you're his, you're his prized possession. You know, when you have a prized possession, you protect it, you guard it, you watch over it. And that's what you and I are. That's who we are to God. We're his prized possession. That means he watches over us, he guards us, he takes care of us because we're his prized possession. It says that we're a, a royal priesthood. Priest always has <clears throat> audience with God. And we're, each and every one of us as born again believers, we're a, we're a royal priest. That means we have access to him. And the Bible says that we're a holy nation. We're a holy people. I don't know about you, sometimes I don't feel so holy. But you know what, I can choose to believe what God says about me. When I choose to believe what he says about me, everything begins to line up. I begin to feel differently about myself. And we talked about it last week, our, our, our thinking determines our believing. And our believing determines our actions. And so I may not feel holy, but I need to change my thinking then. I need to choose to believe what he says about me because when I, when I begin to think differently, I begin to believe differently. And when I begin to believe differently, my actions change. My actions begin to line up with the truth that he's given us. In Psalms 102, I'm going to just read this out of the New King James. Psalms 102, verse 13. I'm going to read 13 through 16, and it says, You will arise 
and have mercy on Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. Aren't you glad you live in that time? It's time for favor to come. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. For the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. Well, Zion represents the church. It represents you and I. It represents the fact that the time of favor has come to you and I. And where others are told no, we're told yes. Why? Because we have favor. But again, we look at it and we say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know, Pastor, if you know, favor is going to come my way. Favors come your way because of Jesus. It's not based on you. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what Jesus has accomplished for each and every one of us. You know, isn't it, isn't it interesting that for, for Abraham, for Abram, before he was Abraham, he was Abram. While he was still Abram, the promise came to him. The promise of a state of favor. The promise was given to you and I. Before we deserved it, before we were worthy of it, the promise came through Jesus. And when we received him, we had a name change. Our name was changed from sinner to saint. Our name was changed from loser to winner. We became Christian, follower of Christ. And as a result of that, we receive favor. Even though there's absolutely nothing that we've done <clears throat> to earn it or deserve it, we have favor. In Genesis 12, 2, it says, God's speaking to Abram. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. He said to Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to give you favor. And as a result of the greatness that I produce in your life, that I give in your life, you are going to be a blessing. You and I are to be a blessing. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done in each and every one of our lives. But you know what? <clears throat> Until I realize I'm blessed, I can't be a blessing. Because I can't give away something that I don't have. I can't give away something that I don't possess. Because if I give away something that doesn't belong to me, I'm a thief. And God's not called any of us to be a thief. 
And so I don't have to give away what's been given to somebody else. I get to give away what he's given to me so that I can be a blessing. Some of you have heard this story, but I was thinking about this earlier. <clears throat> you know, God really had mercy on me because, you know, I'm really lousy with names and remembering names and so forth. <clears throat> and so when I was plumbing, God gave me bosses with, with names that were easy to remember because they were part of the business that I was a part of. You know, when I was in, in Anki, I worked for Ankeny, I worked for Little Joe's Plumbing. Now, how can you not remember Little Joe's Plumbing? And so we moved to Missouri and I worked for John's Plumbing. You know, who? Joe and John. I can handle that. But, but I'm working for, for John down in, uh, just outside of St. Louis, going to Bible school. And the guy's a reprobate. You understand what I mean? I mean, he's a, he's a practicing sinner. And, uh, you know, before I was saved, uh, I, had a, I had kind of a foul mouth. Joe made, or, or John, made my mouth clean as a saint. He had such a foul mouth. And I think he, I think he cursed for my benefit, knowing that I was in Bible school and so forth and, you know, but I just, I just worked for him. So Christmas time came along and we show up at the shop and, and uh, you know, he always gave us cookies and stuff like that. And, but this year, he told his wife, go down and write out a check and want each of the guys to have a check and, and make sure you make it out for enough so that all the taxes and stuff are covered because I, I want them to have this much in their hand when they leave. And so we did that. We got in the truck and we're, we're leaving. And the guy that's with me, who's also a Christian, and we're driving along and he says, man. He says, I, I don't know what's wrong with John. He says, that's never happened before. He says, I've worked for him for five years and that's never happened. He's never given us a dime. I just got this little smile on my face and I said, well, have you ever heard of the blessings of Abraham? I don't know about you, I believe in the blessings of Abraham. Three of us believe in the blessings of Abraham. <clears throat> I believe in the blessings of Abraham. And he looked at me and he says, well, he says, I don't know about that. He says, but I'm beginning to believe in the blessings of Schroeder. You know, and I, I kind of chuckled about it, and then I thought, I kind of like that. Amen. Amen. I like that. I like that, that I have such favor in my life yeah. that John, the reprobate plumber, <laughs> couldn't wait to give me money. Well, Pastor, that's just a coincidence or weird or something. Well, praise the Lord. I want to stay there. I want to live there. And guess what? Everyone that worked with me got blessed. 
Because everyone that worked with me got the same sum, the same blessing that I got because of my favor with God. Because he likes me. I'll tell you something. God likes you. We mess the blessings because we're not looking for them. We believe for no favor rather than believing for favor. We ought, to, we ought to have this expectation. Favor just comes my way because of, of who I am. Because of what Jesus has done for me. Psalms 15 or excuse me, Psalms 5, 12 out of the Amplified, it says, For you, Lord, will bless the uncompromisingly righteous, him who is upright and in, in right standing with you. As with a shield, you will surround him with, with goodwill, pleasure, and favor. We're surrounded with goodwill, with favor. You're surrounded by it. That means you're supposed to be bumping into it all the time. But oftentimes we look at it and we miss it. Because we're looking for the evil. We're looking for Listen, listen to this passage. Psalms 23, 6. You're, you're all familiar with it. You've, you've heard it. But do you take it as belonging to you? Surely. Goodness. How many of you know goodness is good? Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Goodness and mercy is following you. Let it catch up. Stop running from it. Allow goodness and mercy to catch up with you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, Pastor Becky makes a, a house pretty pleasant. And uh, when, when we've gone over to the, to the Calstrups, especially when uh, Rachel had had her babies and Becky went and stayed for a period of time when it was, was time to leave, Brian, her husband, would always come up and say, Mrs. Schroeder, never called her Mrs. Schroeder at any other time, but you say, Mrs. Schroeder, what's it going to take? Said, I'll, I'll finish off the basement. I'll give you a sitting room. I'll give you a kitchenette so you can have time to yourself. And if, if, if that's too confined, 
the duplex right in back of us. I'll move them out and we'll move you in. <laughs> what, what's it going to take? The last time we were there, he says, if that's not enough, I'll build on. What's it going to take, Mrs. Schroeder? The difficult part is my name never comes up. <laughs> you know, but, but he says, because he, he, she makes it pleasant. She, she cooks, she helps, you know, she does what she does. You understand what I mean? She does what she does. And listen, we're going to be in the house of the Lord forever. The goodness that you've seen on this earth, you ain't seen nothing yet in the house of the Lord. And he says, we're going to be there forever. Why? Why do we take such a grip of this world? Well, part of it is because in the natural, it's the only thing that we know. But once again, that's why the Word of God is, is so totally important to us so that we, we realize that, that all of this is, is so temporal. Why would I have to, why would I want to hold on to this? Because the best that I can find here is absolutely nothing in comparison to what God has made available to each and every one of us. We need to look to him. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 6, it says, this is New King James, it says, Blessed you shall be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. No matter where you go, you're to be blessed. You can't get away from it. But I like, I like some other translations. The contemporary English version says, the Lord will make you successful in your daily work. Why? Because he's there to bring blessing into your life. The Good News translation says it this way. The Lord will bless everything you do. Everything. He wants to bring blessing in your life, in my life, because he loves us. It's not about you. I know that's difficult for us to get a hold of because we like to think that everything is about us. I remember one young man, teenage, that we had living with us for a while, that every time we'd go someplace, we'd get back and he'd meet us at the door, and he'd want to know what we'd talked about. You know, because he was convinced we just spent the whole evening talking about him. And so one night, I, I, I just simply told him, I says, you know, you need to understand something. You're not that important. We have other things to discuss, to talk about, other than you. 
But you know the truth of the matter is, all of us need to come to that realization. We're not that important. In other words, it's about God. It's not about you. It's about what He wants to do in your life. If you'll get over yourself and begin to put your trust and your confidence in Him. I'll never forget the Sunday that Pastor Becky was preaching. She had just gotten back from Tulsa from a conference. And she was preaching on being hurt and offended. And the line in her message that has stuck with me now these many years was, do you have a right to be offended? I mean, after four days in Tulsa, that northerner got a southerner, southern draw. They have a right to be offended. Let me ask you something. Do you have a right to be offended? Do you have a right to be hurt? Do you have a right to feel sorry for yourself? Do you have a right to think that God isn't going to do it in your life? Do you have a right to any of those things? The answer is no. Why? Because Jesus has done it all. It's time for us to get off of ourselves, get over ourselves and put our trust in Jesus and realize that everything that he's told us in his word is true and he hasn't changed his mind. Where you failed, there's success before you. Stop looking at the failure and get your eyes on the success that has been made available to each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, it belongs to you. He's done it for you. He loves you. Come to realize it. Find his promise stand on it. Don't waver. Set your anchor in the hope that's been made available to you through Jesus and leave it there. You'll stay strong. You'll stay secure. And there's nothing. Nothing. No man, no woman, no demon, Nothing can cause you to stray from the truth. He's our hope. Hallelujah. I can't find a place to quit. So I'll quit. But see, we get to seal all this today. We're going to receive Holy Communion. And Holy Communion is a reminder to us that it's not about me. It's about Jesus. I don't know 
Maybe it has something to do with my age. But Jesus, the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ is more important to me today. The reality of that truth is more important to me today than the day that I prayed and received him as my Lord and Savior. And I think it's because to know him is to love him. The more I know him, the deeper I love him. It's not like other relationships where people have failed us and let us down. He never has and he never will. To know him is to love him. And I think oftentimes our problem is, is we've prayed a prayer. And so we put our confidence in that prayer that we prayed. Pastor Becky and I were married. And so there's a period of time that you, you put your confidence in the fact that you're married because we stood up in front of the church and this preacher said, say this and that and the other thing. And we said it and we signed this little sheet of paper and on that sheet of paper, it says that we're married. So we have confidence that we're married because that sheet of paper says so. And we went through that, that motion. And I think a lot of people, they put their confidence in, in salvation because they, they prayed this prayer. Like I did on, in the basement of Vernon Lewis's house, sitting in front of the fireplace where me and two, three other guys prayed and I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. But you know what? Even though I repeat that all the time, that's not my confidence. My confidence is a relationship that I've developed with Jesus. I'm assured of his love. I'm confident of his favor. I'm know that he'll never leave me or forsake me. And because of that confidence, I desire to know him more deeply than I ever have in my life. Because of that confidence, I know that I will spend all of eternity with him. Don't put your confidence simply in a prayer. Put your confidence in the individual, Jesus, whom you know. That's where, as Earl Roberts used to say, you know that you know. I'm saved. I know that I know because of my relationship where we need to be.
Told you I was going to quit, didn't I? Hallelujah. Ushers, elders, if you'll come forward and begin to pass out the elements. If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, the way that we receive communion is they pass the elements around and <clears throat> when you receive it, you can either receive it at that time or you can just uh, hold on to it and we'll receive it all together after everybody's received. Again, if you're visiting, you say, well, I'm not a member of this church. If you're born again, if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're part of our extended family. And so we extend to you an invitation to receive communion with us. You know, the Bible declares, Jesus said that we're to do this in remembrance of him. It's not thinking about ourselves. It's not thinking about how we may have failed or fallen short, because every one of us has. But it's focusing on Jesus, looking into him, looking to him and, and realizing what he did for each and every one of us. You know, the Bible declares that by the stripes of Jesus, we've been healed. Jesus' body was broken so our bodies might be whole. And so as we receive the bread that represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus, we're reminded that he paid the price. His body was broken. He took those stripes so that you and I so that we might be whole. And so as you receive this bread today that represents the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus, remember that it was his body was broken so that your body could be whole. And when we're talking about healing, we're talking about physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, every area of our life, Jesus came so that we might experience wholeness. The body of Christ, which was broken for you, so that you might be whole, so that you might be healed, so that you might be complete. Receive it in Jesus' name. Then, of course, we receive two elements. The second is the juice that represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Again, the Bible declares that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So Jesus' blood was shed so that your sins and my sins might be completely washed away. We come together this morning and we come together as saints which have been washed, which have been cleansed from all sin 
from the defilement of sin. So that what that means is not only is your, your sin forgiven, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, the defilement of that sin, the shame of that sin, the guilt of that sin, the pain that that sin has produced in your life emotionally, that sin and the defilement of the sin has been washed away. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't. You don't know what I've done and I'm not gonna tell you because Jesus said, He's forgotten about it. And I'm not going to remind him. Doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Jesus, through his blood, has washed and cleansed you and set you free from that sin and the defilement of it. It's the sin that holds you in bondage. As long as you identify with the sin, the sin will continue to hold you. As long as you remember and focus upon the defilement or the, the, the bondage that that sin has brought into your life, it'll continue to hold you. But Jesus, through his blood, has come to, to, to loose you from those chains so that you might walk free, that you might walk with a heart that is open to receive everything that he has for you and that you no longer have to walk around with your head down feeling guilty because you're forgiven. I declare over you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that through the blood of Jesus Christ your sin is forgiven and you are free from the defilement of that sin it can no longer torment you it can no longer hold you it can no longer bind you because you've been set free through the blood of Jesus Christ the blood of Christ which has been shed for you, receive it in remembrance of Him. Father, I thank You. I thank You for Your goodness. I thank You for Your mercy. I thank You for favor that is beyond our ability to comprehend. Father, we look to you. We know we have an audience with you through Jesus, through the name that is above every other name. And every issue that we deal with in life has to bow its knee to the name that's above every name the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare today in that name that we walk in victory, that we have a hope that is anchored in you and in your word, and that no weapon 
that any enemy forms against us is going to prosper for the greater one lives within us. Father, we thank you. We give you praise in the marvelous name of Jesus. Amen. So as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them. In Jesus' name, amen.